This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Bigger Picture on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Front Row under the MCO where we bring you your daily dose of arts, culture and entertainment that you can consume while staying at home. Uh, with uh, I'm Sharmila Ganesan and with me is Dashan Yohan. And uh, as always, we have two um, you know, suggestions that you might want to check out to, um, while uh, you're whiling away your time. And if you have things that you want to tell us about that we should check out um, or just share your experiences with, um, I suppose, um, doing these things at home now that we can't do them outside, uh, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. You can WhatsApp us at 018-789-8899. So our first suggestion comes courtesy of Dashan. Yes. So like, you know, as we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks, the COVID-19 pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns has meant that most theatres and opera houses around the world are closed. Uh, The iconic Covent Garden's Royal Opera House is no different. However, just like many of our previous recommendations, the Royal Opera House has also been putting up many of their productions online as part of their hashtag Our House to Your House initiative. Uh, so their latest digital offering is a dance theatre adaptation of Francis Kafka's dark, disturbing and thought-provoking 1915 sci-fi novella, The Metamorphosis. And well, the story is certainly something, isn't it? I am so excited that you picked this um, because I love Metamorphosis. Okay. Um, uh, it's one of my favourite, um, not stories, I suppose, not mm. a book exactly. Um, and it follows Gregor Samsa, who is a salesman and the sole breadwinner of his family, um, who wakes up one morning to find himself transformed into basically a giant filthy bug, a human-sized one, not a tiny one. Um, they never quite describe what the bug is. Um, to me, it sounds like a cockroach. Yeah, um, but yeah, but but you know, anybody who's turned off by the idea of anything creepy-crawly, uh, quite a, yeah. Um, so as a bug, Gregor ponders on the life he once lived, um, you know, where he was working this stressful and unfulfilling job, all to put food on the table for his parents and his sister. Um, and so without spoiling too much of the story, though, uh, it does explore how he deals with his new identity, um, as well as the complicated relationship that he now has with his family. Because, mm. I mean, they, they literally now have him in the house as a human-sized bug Um, and this whole question of do they accept him do they not Um, and how the family now copes with their financial situation now that their breadwinner is pretty much a bug climbing the walls of their (laughs) house Um, yeah it's it's you know it sounds funny but actually when you read the story there's a lot that is very very difficult and deep and really quite confronting. Yeah, there's a lot to ponder upon definitely, right? Because I, I've uh, for the longest time, I've heard of this story because it is a really uh, popular sci-fi story, but uh, I've never really dove into it that much. But I did it yesterday and uh, it's it's really something because it's on the surface, it sounds so ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. A, hu- a guy turning into a bug and climbing on the walls and all that. And eating it's a, garbage. Eating garbage yeah. and it's a human-sized bug. It sounds like it, it could be some sort of comedy movie or whatever or story. But when you actually, what it's actually trying to say is, you know, I feel like it, it, it talks a lot about you know, alienation. And this, I've been, I read something interesting and I, I think this is, uh, it sort of gives you uh, like, like a, like a, 
like sort of a picture into the 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 mind of the writer, right? So because he himself was a German speaker re- uh, living in Czech, mm-hmm. Prague, and he was also a Jew living in a hyper anti-Semitic times, mm-hmm. and I think he felt. At the same time, he, uh, not just of all these societal uh, problems, he also felt pressure to become a, a successful businessman like his father. Mm. And with all this in mind, it it sort of I think it sort of puts you when you read the story or when you watch the the ballet, right? Like it it's kind of similar. I, I think like it it makes sense. I would say like what he went through. Yeah, and um, when I first read the 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 story um, back in, I think it would have been in the maybe late nineties or mm. something. Um, the first thing that came to mind for me was actually because at that time we were still t- talking a lot about the uh, AIDS crisis, right? Um, and and you know maybe some parallels to current times here. This whole idea of what would you do if a family member um, that until then has been a part of your unit, yeah. Um, contracts something that is so reviled um, yeah. that that has all of the stigma attached to it mm. um, and and the first thing that came to mind when I read uh, Metamorphosis was that idea of how often even the people that you love um, turn on you when uh, you go through these circumstances and, and what that means for your relationship your sense of self yeah. and how suddenly you feel like all you were was a breadwinner yeah right and I think that's a that's an interesting point right because I think the breadwinner is a interesting sort of layer or nuance they bring to the story because um it's not just okay like you you were mentioning talking uh, like this whole AIDS thing or what if we, it can also be looked at someone being disabled what if <laughs> a person you know he's the only person who goes to work for the family and all that and then suddenly he meets with a car accident for example and he becomes disabled and he's no longer able to work uh, what does that do to the dynamics in the family right yes um it is Definitely a story worth reading um, and it's not very long so I would highly mm. recommend that you do check it out um, and it has actually been adapted into a film as well but what really intrigued me about your suggestion that we do this this week was how does this how how on earth do they translate this into a ballet? Yeah, because ballet you I mean at least for me there's this certain idea of what, yeah. what a ballet is right you know like graceful people on their tippy toes and they're doing all these pirouettes <laughs> and certain things so this I mean, how do you adapt a story about a guy who transformed into a cockroach? Yeah, so let's listen to what the director and choreographer Arthur Peter um, and lead performer Edward Watson had to say about their inspiration and process uh, in this 2013 interview that they did with the Royal Opera House uh, during the staging of the Metamorphosis Ballet. You know, I remembered it from, from when I was at high school. Okay. And I remember someone going, oh, there's this, you know, this great, and we had some drama students who were, I think, maybe doing it. And friend of mine said, oh, we're doing this thing called Metamorphosis about a man who wakes up. And then also he said, oh, it's a bit like The Fly, the film that had been around, okay. Jeff Goldblum, which I'd loved. And I thought, oh, that's very interesting. And I didn't really take that much notice mm-hmm. of it. I think dance works so well with metaphors. So it's mm-hmm. finding a story that has that. And there aren't that many. It's actually celebrating its 100th year now. Mm-hmm. And yet it feels so modern is, I mean, so I feel like it's a total gift of a story, but there aren't, there aren't many. I've never been asked to move like that before. <laughs> so it was, um, that was, I think it was when Arthur and I first met to talk about it, we didn't want to just put me in a bug suit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And like dress up as a beetle or something. <laughs> right. So the, one of the early discussions we had yeah. was talking about um, how we could 
do it really sort of physically. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the appeal and the challenge for me straight away. Mm. Um, even before I'd reread the story, I said, oh my God, that could be, you know, a way to go and really discover, you know, what I can do, what you can say with what someone can do. And, mm -hmm. But we all, all of the stuff that I do is, um, comes from everyone in the cast. We all spent a couple of weeks really kind of discovering um, ways to sort of dehumanise yourself and, yeah. and finding out what it is about, um, you know, bugs that make you a little bit creepy of them, the fact that they were always moving, the fact that yeah. they don't stand up and walk and pick something up, and, you know, just those really extreme things that humans do that they can't. So, Darshan, you've watched The Belly, right? Yes, I did. And it's certainly something... Uh, it's unlike a perform any performance I've seen before. So, this, just to paint a picture, is, it was as if Tim Burton, Lemony Snicket, contemporary dance and belly <laughs> had a baby together. <laughs> you know, whatever that means, whatever you're imagining right now, that's pretty much the ballet. Mm -hmm. but, but it's really good. Like, uh, like, you know, jokes aside, it's really good. It's well performed. The cockroach transformation scene, which is really integral, is brilliantly performed. It looks painful and you feel sad. And even the scenes, like the ridiculous scenes where he climbs on the walls and all, the whole thing feels very surreal and haunting. Mm. And obviously because it's a ballet, music is a really important part. And, and uh, what caught my attention was the fact that um, Frank Moon um, composed the score for this ballet. Uh, and there's a lot of eerie sort of ambient music, a lot of... Um, uh, and then there's a lot of horror elements weaved into it yep. as well. Uh, so here's a, a bit of a listen of what the music of this ballet sounds like. I must say that really sounds like what I'd imagine the metamorphosis <laughs> sounding in my head. Yep. Um, I'm very excited to watch this. I love the novella. Um, Kafka is such a brilliant writer. And um, yeah, no, I, I think this is something that definitely be worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. I definitely recommend it. And so if you like to check this one out as well, head over to the Royal Opera House YouTube channel and just look for Metamorphosis. So that's it for the first half of the show. Um, we do need to take a quick break. Uh, but we will leave you now with a... Um, a, a song that's actually used in this ballet. This is Da Noche by Frank Moon from The Metamorphosis, BFM 89.9. <laughs> Maru 
derty má úsměv chladný, nic její ústa, ale nemluví. Malaysia, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Front Row Under the MCO with me, Sharmila Ganesan and Dashran Johan. So before the break, uh, our first recommendation for today was um, a ballet adaptation of Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis by the Royal Opera House. Now from Kafka, we're moving on to Shakespeare. <laughs> we're feeling very cultured here today. Uh, but not to worry, we're not going to talk about one of the tragedies where nearly everyone dies or is driven mad. Instead, we're going to be talking about what is often known as one of Shakespeare's most perfect comedies, um, Twelfth Night. So if the line, if music be the food of love, play on sounds familiar well that's actually from the 12th night yeah and if you're like me and have never watched a staging on this play now is the perfect opportunity to do so as we have highlighted on this show before the national theater in london has been releasing some of its best theater productions on youtube over the last few weeks and this week they are offering their 2017 staging of 12th night it premieres on their youtube channel tonight at 2 a.m malaysian time and will be available for seven days so 12th night has all of those hallmarks of a classic shakespearean comedy right it has has disguises, it has mistaken identities, it has witty wordplay. But underneath it all, there's also a strong um, story of identity, love, friendship, mourning, even a commentary on the class system. So I'll try to talk you through the story. Um, I hope you can keep up. It's quite um, it's quite a complicated one. I will try. So interrupt and clarify whenever you need okay. to. Uh, the story begins with Viola, who is shipwrecked in um, on the coast of a, of a city named Illyria. Um, she was on a ship with her twin brother, Sebastian, uh, whom she believes has drowned in the shipwreck. Um, now, for her own protection and in order to get a job, she disguises himself, herself as a young man named Cesario and joins the service of a duke named Orsino. Now, Orsino is spending his days pining away for the love of a woman named Olivia, who's mourning the deaths of her father and brothers. And Olivia has sworn off love or marriage for seven years because she's in mourning, which so, is why Orsino is all like, woe is me. You know? And music so, be the food of love play on. So I think in like typical Shakespearean fashion. There's a lot of characters here. There right? are many. I've not even I've not even mentioned half of them. <laughs> okay, so Duke Orsino um, sends Cesario, who's actually Viola in disguise, to Olivia as a go-between um, to kind of get convince her to marry him. But Olivia ends up falling in love with Cesario instead. Um, now, keep in mind, Cesario is actually Viola in okay, disguise. Yes. Okay. Right? <laughs> and if that's not complicated enough, mm. Cesario, aka Viola, has fallen in love with Orsino, her, wow. her boss, basically. Okay. Um, 
And just to add to the complication, at some point in the story, Viola's twin, Sebastian, turns out to be alive and turns up. Okay, so I guess this is like one of those like Game of Thrones kind of things <laughs> where you have to, you know... At first, you'll be all over the place. And then yes. once you slowly get to know the characters, everything will sort of make I, sense. No, I, I agree. Actually, watching them play being played by actors mm. clarifies a lot of things, okay. I think. Um, but I'm actually not done because there's actually a pretty huge subplot that involves Olivia Stewart Malvolio, this sort of pompous, self-important, generally unlikable character. Olivia's maid and some of her relatives actually plan a trick to convince Malvolio that Olivia is in love with him by writing him a secret love letter that requests him to do really silly, weird things in front of her, things like wearing yellow stockings and smiling excessively um, so that um, to indicate their love for each other um, and the rest of the story I'll leave it spoiler free <laughs> but uh, to give you a taste of what the show is like here's a clip of a conversation between Orsino the Duke and Viola who is currently disguised as Cesario his page boy let's listen <laughs> come here the boy oh. if ever thou shalt love in the sweet pangs of it, remember me. For such as I am, all true lovers are. Unstayed and skittish in all motions else, save in the constant image of the creature that is beloved. <laughs> How dost thou like this tune? It gives a very echo to the seat where love is thrown. Thou dost speak masterly. With my life upon it, young though thou art, thine eye hath stayed upon some favour that it loves, hath it not, boy? A little, by your favour. What kind of woman is Of your complexion. Uh, she's not worthy, then. What years, in faith? About your years, my lord. Oh, too old, by heaven. <laughs> so, if you think there's a lot of gender-bending going on in the story, well, the staging has really embraced it. Uh, one of the beauties of Shakespeare's writing is that it infinitely it, it's infinitely adaptable and open to interpretation. And so one of the highlights of this production is that they've cast a woman to play the character of Malvolio. Actress uh, Tamsin Greg plays Malvolia. Mm -hmm. And this is of course uh, this of course adds a layer of complexity to the whole tangle of romantic relationships, right? Uh, Tamsin is of course well known as a comedian as well as an actress in shows like Episodes. And joining her is a really interesting cast of performers such as uh, Tamara Lawrence playing Viola, Oliver Chris playing Orsino, Phoebe Fox playing Olivia, and Daniel Ezra playing Sebastian. Uh, the play is directed by Simon Godwin, and while it maintains Shakespeare's text, it is set in what looks like modern times uh, through sort of stylized, maybe a stylized modern times, mm. would you say? What do you think of this like gender bending idea? Um, okay, so if you're... It depends on the con context, right? So if you're telling me like to tomorrow they're going to make Jane Bond, you know, as opposed to James Bond yeah. or Wonder Man as opposed to Wonder Woman, I'm usually not a fan of it. Mm -hmm. But I think Shakespeare is really different in this in this sense, right? Because Shakespeare's novels, uh, I mean, his stories, his plays, everything, 
it it leaves a lot to interpretation and i think there's a lot of accounts although shakespeare has had two wives himself you know there's a lot of people that argue that maybe uh, shakespeare himself was you know kind of gender fluid in that sense so i think when it comes to shakespeare's stories it's really interesting i, I think it works and it sometimes adds to the comedic effect or commentary that they're trying to do yes and i think what's interesting is that obviously back in shakespeare's times mm. uh, the female roles were generally played by men mm. um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of um, comedy to be had i think in taking a role that was meant to be played by a man and having a woman play that role yeah. in a play that is already about people gender bending and um passing for different genders i, I mean i think there's something very clever, clever. about it yeah. um and malvolio of course is one of those shakespeare's um, you know shakespearean characters that are very complex very difficult um in a play that's essentially kind of uproarious and funny he's sort of a, a dour you know and and a lot of the things that happens to him the humiliation um the uh, putting down in some ways you feel he earned it because mm. he himself is not a likable character but in other ways you also feel here's a person who is um in in a, in a class system lower down and he's, he essentially he has aspirations towards a larger lifestyle and that's something that's there's something sad and relatable about that so it would so it's a com- mostly a comedy but with sad undertones yeah definitely i mean if you look at the the elements of the stories right mm-hmm. the fact that um you know there are people who die there are people who are mourning mm-hmm. everyone has lost someone they're in love with um or or they love in some yeah. way so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of complexity to these characters as well uh, and you know if malvolio doesn't sound familiar or ring a bell with if you haven't read 12th night you'll certainly remember one piece of dialogue that's that's always used in many contexts which is the some are born great some achieve greatness and some have greatness thrust upon them yeah. so that is his aspiration to be someone great mm. and i actually kind of like this uh, this whole because co- comedy can be you know it can be broad comedy it can be just slapstick all these kind of things and that's fine too but i always like comedies when there's layers underneath when there's depth when the focus is still on characters and on like what are their arcs and i think the whole idea of having a comedy where you're entertained you're laughing but then it also makes you you know pause and think about how maybe cert- like certain characters are going through certain struggles and like all the the sadness of it i think it really definitely adds a different dimension to it yes and um from the clips that have been released from the play because i haven't watched it yet mm. it's only premiering tonight um the thing that they that, that i really like um one of the clips i really like is because tamsin um, because malvolia is a woman they've um done this great sort of um big band performance number that tamsin greig does um to kind of capture Olivia's attention um which I thought was very clever and what they do is actually take another sonnet that Shakespeare's written sonnet 135 mm-hmm. and set it to music so I thought that was a really interesting oh. way to play around um however the other thing that they've done is you know while they um do a great job of bringing that humor and that 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 hilariousness they do maintain that undertone of pathos mm. and i think the actors performances have a lot to do with it they really manage to capture that for example here's a clip of viola um talking about the predicament that she's stuck in she loves me <laughs> the way the cunning of her passion invites me in this churlish messenger none of my lord's ring why he sent her none I am the man. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> If it be so as tis, poor lady, she were better love a dream. Disguise. 
I see thou art a wickedness wherein the pregnant enemy does much. How easy is it for the proper false in women's waxen hearts to set their forms. Alas, our frailty is the cause, not we. For such as we are made of, such we be. How will this fudge? My master loves her dearly. And I, poor monster, fond as much on him, and she, mistaken, seems to dote on me. What will become of this? <laughs> as I am man, my state is desperate for my master's love, as I am woman. Now, alas, the day. What thriftless sigh shall poor Olivia breathe? Oh, time? Thou must untangle this, not I. There's really something about hearing the words being performed, isn't there? Uh, so if you would like to catch this live, this staging of The Twelfth Night, um, it premieres on the National Theatre Live YouTube channel tonight at 2am Malaysia time and will be available for seven days. So that is all from us today. Um, if you would like to um, drop us a message or tell us what you've been watching, you can tweet us at BFM Radio, WhatsApp at 018-789-8899 or on Facebook, we are BFM The Bigger Picture. Uh, coming up at 1pm, we have Ali Johan and Othniel Ting with the Midday Music Machine. Uh, but first, just a little bit more from Twelfth Night. This is Sonnet 135 by Tamsin Gregg uh, on BFM 89.9. Whoever hath a wish, thou hast thy will, and will to boot, and will in overplus. More than enough am I that vex thee still. To thy sweet will making addition thus Well thou whose will is large and spacious Not once vouchsafe to hide my will in thine Shall will in others seem right gracious But in my will no fair acceptance shine The sea all water yet receives rain still and in abundance added to her store. But thou, being rich in will, add to thy will one well of mine to make thy large will more. Let no unkind, no fair beseechers kill. Think all but one. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.